Right then. Um, what, 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 do you want to, what do you want to talk about, Craig? Well, um, Ian's had some questions, I think, we posted last a few days ago that um, <coughs> we're going to do this, and, and he has been sent some questions, so why don't, why don't we start with those? We'll rattle through those. Yeah, I got sent a few on, um, a couple on email and a couple on private message, so we'll just go through them. We'll start with the ones that are directed uh, mostly towards you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Firstly, I think I know the answer to this one, and it's that there's only 24 hours in the day, but uh, what has happened to Run Research Junkie from a Run Research Junkie fan? Okay, <coughs> let, me, let me, to answer that, let me just share my screen for those who... Um, bear with us. This is technically, hopefully, this has worked. Hopefully, you can see it. The Run Research Junkie is my one of my blogs where I write about stuff. And my last post on that was on September the twentieth, September the second. So I'm, yeah. There's only, as Ian said, there's only twenty four hours on in a day. I have a lot of stuff I want to write about. I've got several, what I think, extremely important blog posts um, debunking stuff written in my head. It's just physically finding time to do it. But to illustrate that further, I, I think many of you have seen this. God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things. Right now, I'm so far behind, I will never die. Um, that, that's what's happened to my <laughs> research junkie. There is only so many hours in a day. Um, it's still there. It's still live. It's still getting a reasonable amount of traffic. Um, I just, you know, I'm, I've been in bed for the last two days with man flu. So, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's just time. Uh, I, I suspected that was the case right uh, another one this was actually to both of us but uh, I suspect um, it was more directed at you again do you have any speaking commitments next year uh, where can people hear you conferences or, or indeed um, uh, boot camps and things um, well, well when it comes to boot camps I, I've got uh, a little tired of doing them but, I mean the travel was getting harder and harder so I've, I've, that's why I've literally put the whole thing online now. Um, there is a possibility I'll be doing two boot camps, in, one in Portugal maybe around April and one in uh, Ireland, um, which is still being talked about. They might be the only two I'll actually get to do next year. And there's also a conference in Naples I'll be at um, April next year as, as well, I think. Um, so, yeah, no, I... I the travel gets you, after years and years of it, the travel gets you down. Um, so I, I don't <laughs> actively try to uh, do too many. Everywhere, everywhere is a long, a long way when you're in Australia, isn't it? Mm. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm just in the process of confirming some myself. I think April will be busy, possibly uh, Ireland as well, uh, Northern Ireland, um, that's a TBC, and certainly Finland. Um, oh, which Finland. Is, yeah, I'm kind of. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of excited about. I've never been to Finland before, so looking forward to that. And I think, I think that's probably it at the moment. I've just had a me- just just had a message from uh, <laughs> from Chris Bishop. Uh, he's just sent me a, a a text saying, "I wake up to your face." <laughs> <laughs> what time? Yeah. What, what, no, wait, I, what I think time is it there? Is it seven o eight? I think Chris is a half an hour behind. They're in Adelaide, but what what he's saying is. <laughs> The, the, one of the TV breakfast shows over here is called The Today Show, and they ring one lucky viewer every morning, but you have to answer your phone, I wake up with today. So Chris is referring to I wake up with 
Hey, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> good to see you. Oh, yeah, he's a good man. But I'm pleased to say that it's the first time he's ever woken up to my face, and hopefully for him the last. <laughs> hopefully for him the last. Uh, right, let's get the next question up. <clears throat> it was... Um, uh, it was about supination resistance, which I, I, I guess, um, and it's got several parts to it. I guess you know, uh, I'd like to think between us we can um, we can field most questions on supination resistance. Mm. But a, a fairly a fairly uh, interesting point, which is obviously you you guys um, at Latrobe published your three papers two thousand three, yeah, and then I published my paper two thousand ten, and I think there's been one other paper that kind of called it. It's liability validity into question uh, since, hmm. but really only four or five papers and nothing nothing for the last few years. Um, so the question really was, um, you know, has has it all died down? Where where are we going with it? Um, as I'm sure you know, and you've been in contact with him as well. Um, Sean McBride over in the US yeah. is is doing some work on it at the moment, yeah. um, uh, but that's kind of exciting. But f- from your perspective, I mean, clearly we don't know everything we. we need to or want to know about it there's, there's still work to be done um i guess the question is where where where's that work coming from now do you think well yeah again you know, i find it quite disappointing because i think as you know i think it's an extremely important clinical test it, it it's uh, you know it's, it's a risk it's allegedly a risk factor for a lot of things um it's just no one seems to be taking it running with it now um apart from sean and i obviously look forward to his work and you know, he has been in touch with me but an example i was just chatting to someone the other day about this, you know, that allegedly, you know, a very low supination res- uh, resistance is a risk factor for a lateral ankle sprain. And I think we we see those patients clinically who sprain their ankles a lot have very low supination resistance. But when you delve into the literature on the risk factors for lateral ankle sprains, no one even looked at supination resistance to see if it was a risk factor or not. Like, it's not being incorporated into the risk factor studies, <laughs> just ignoring some of the reliability issues, which I think can be dealt with um, through other, other other means. So, again, it's just very, very disappointing. You, you look at the abstracts for that, those ankle injury research retreats, um, and the supination resistance word doesn't even get mentioned or come up. And, mind you, I've never been to one. So, yeah, it's all those kinds of issues, and... It's. I, I just said, you know, supination resistance is high. You need a hard orthotic. If it's low, you don't. You know, like it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. intuitive. It's. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem to be being factored into. Having said that, pretty much everyone I talk to uses it clinically. So, regardless of where the research is heading, it's it's, it's being extremely widely used clinically. It's, it's put into practice. It's it's fairly common, fairly standard usage. I would have thought by now. So, yeah, I don't know how well, you. What's feel your about experience? That. Um, well. It, in the UK, I think within podiatry, I think everyone is, is, is at the very least aware of it and, mm. and whether they use it or, or find value in it is a possibly individual. Mm. I, I would say outside of podiatry, my, my expectation had been that it wasn't particularly well known or, no, no. or understood or utilised. I don't know if that echo is echoed in Australia, but I had a really positive experience a couple of weeks ago when I was um, at a football club talking to the medical team um, and a very sharp a very sharp medical team and one of the sports therapists in the medical team who's there as an intern um, mm. said that he was 
he was being taught supination, the supination resistance <laughs> test on his sports therapy degree, which, which oh, I was, wow. um, very, very, uh, probably too visibly excited by it. I think it freaked him out a little bit, but mm. I feel like it is, is, um, and, and we don't want to get carried away. As we say, uh, we see value in it, but we need to try and get that, get that data. I mean, I'm aware of the data that you, I still refer to the data that you, uh, have got that, that's unpublished about your, your sort of group of people with tip post problems oh, yeah. that are very high supination resistance and your, your ankle sprains. I know that Simon, um, Spooner has got some great stuff on his jig, which, which definitely is probably better than, uh, well, not probably is definitely better than both of ours in regard to looking at how supination resistance changes when the frontal plane uh, angulation of the surface under the rear feet. So I feel like there's data out there that people aren't aware of as well. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm remiss. I, I I know we should publish that, <laughs> and maybe one day we will. But yeah, it's it's. It, but again, that's cross sectional. It's not effective <coughs> risk factor study, but you have to start somewhere. Mm. So, um, but yeah. again, it, it has its knockers, and I I just question what people who knock it really know about it. I mean, I. I caught a comment on Twitter a few weeks ago from someone who you and I both know pointing out that um, Kevin Kirby's access variation stuff has no clinical applications whatsoever. Um, <laughs> and I, I thought, well, what do you actually know about that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was an extra extraordinary comment, but I, I know how much that person knows about that topic. So obviously they're quite clueless about it, but I think you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I think I suspect. I think I. I think I do. I yeah. think when you're questioning, mm. I think when you're questioning physics, uh, mm. you, you know, you, the, I, I switch off straight away if someone starts questioning physics. Mm. Um, what's our bishops still saying? <laughs> Bishop wants us to. to Chris, Bishop, uh, Bishop just replied to me. He wants me to discuss something with you in a minute, which we will. I, I, uh, I promise. Um, Another question here, a uh, bit, bit more non-clinical. Um, is there anyone you currently follow on social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, either who who is really generating good content, who you feel is is a must-follow for other clinicians out there? Sort of an account that you can really kind of get some good 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 content from on an almost daily basis. I would have to say there is no one person. Um, in fact, how, how about this? My next post on Run Research Junkie will be a list of those that I think people should follow. I, I, I mean, no one stands out as, as, the, as, as the one. I think there are, there's probably uh, a dozen that are worth following, and may, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll rack my brains and I'll list them. I have a policy on my Twitter account is I don't follow more than 100 people. You can't manage it. You can't manage it, even at 100 that's getting too many. And obviously, a lot of those don't post very often. But every time I follow someone new, I try and delete a couple more because um, you, you, you've got to keep it manageable. Um, yep. Any more than that, you, you're going to be on it all day. But I, I, um, I'm enjoying Adam Meekin's stuff at the moment. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think I, I, you, know, you, you laughed. You know why. Um, I'm not necessarily agreeing with everything he's saying, but it's very entertaining. Um, and I share a lot of stuff, so people who follow me know who I'm talking about. Um, but, yeah, there, there, there's a good dozen, 20 people that are well worth following, and maybe I'll do a blog post on, on who's worth following. You, you know, like yeah. I, I saw a blog post recently on a, in a physiotherapy blog, you know, the 20 people are worth following in physiotherapy. I mean, it was 
Um, I followed a few of them, but it, it, it's, it's maybe it's time we did one as well. So, what's yeah, the space? Well, uh, well, firstly, I'm going to hold you to that, obviously, and secondly, I think I think it's important that um, you don't just follow you don't just follow people you agree with. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 otherwise, you've got this sort of echo chamber of of, of just um, uh, just a complete that's completely void of challenge. So, I, I actively follow. Uh, a couple of people who who I regularly disagree with their opinions. I think that's a healthy thing. The one I wanted to put out there, who I've been fo- who I haven't been following for ages, actually only 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 a few months, um, is uh, is Dr. Jared Hall, who is a I believe he's a physical therapist in the US. Uh, Jared spelt uh, J A R O D and Hall as it sounds, and um, he put out some cracking content, some really good videos, and and uh, I'm kind of a, okay. a, a bit obsessed with understanding um, understanding pain at the moment. And uh, he, he's uh, I just I can't stress enough how how much he's worth a follow to people if 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 that floats your boat as well. That's the one I'd say to that. Um, so should we come to Bish's? No, we'll leave Bish's comment for now because that's going to get uh, making me nervous. What you might have asked. So. Uh, it's not. He's just, you know, he's just being a classic Aussie, just staring, isn't he? So there was a comment on um, UK podiatry, uh, a Facebook group today, which I, I, I believe you're a member of, aren't you? Yeah, but yeah. Um, are you a member of that? Yeah. Um, but actually, it happened in the last seven, eight hours, so it's probably overnight for you. I've, I've been asleep for the last seven, eight hours. It, it generated. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Uh, it generated, I thought, some really interesting points, and it was it was uh, someone asking for an opinion on whether they needed a treadmill for uh, to perform a biomechanical assessment. Uh, I don't know. I, I assume they were in a position where they were setting up their own clinic and they're thinking about where to invest um, their money. I, I, that's an assumption on my part, but but it actually, you know generated some quite good points with some people saying yes uh, i think you probably should and other people saying uh, you know pretty much flat out no you you don't you don't need it um and then obviously the ultimate uh, or discussion became about uh, the age-old um overground versus treadmill movement um so i i guess it and your name was actually mentioned in in the thread because uh because of i think a post that you'd written about it and everyone and i know there's a there's a good um a good chapter on it in your boot camp as well. Yeah. So I just thought it'd be worth putting it out there for people who, um, uh, for people who perhaps haven't yet signed up to your boot camp. Hmm. Yeah, no, well, I, I do have a whole section on the online boot camp on that. I, it's just a shame I'm on a different computer now. I could have brought up the PowerPoint and, and just illustrated a few points. But one thing, you know, whether you do or don't do it, what I the point I keep hammering home is if you do do it does what you do have the potential to alter the treatment? And if doing a treadmill gait analysis doesn't have the potential to alter your treatment, well, you don't do it. I mean, it's it's not worth the effort. Um, but if you do do it, and I, I take into account the differences between overground and, and treadmill running, they're different. But at the, at the end of the day, what, what do you see in a treadmill gait analysis that has the potential to alter your treatment. And there are things you, there are things that I look for when I use a slow-motion video replay on a treadmill that has the potential to alter my treatment. And it's not things about how pronated the foot is or anything like that. That's not going to change what you do in your treatment or not. Um, 
there, there are other things you look for. I, I, I like from behind. I like to look. Where's, where's the first met head from behind uh, after the heels come off the ground? Uh, to me, that if that's off the ground, you need to get it down to the ground. So that has the potential to alter my treatment. So my advice is, well, yes, there are things you look for, but you don't waste your time looking for things that um, don't have the potential to alter your treatment. And the other the other point I, I sort of often crack jokes about, it's a lot easier to convince people to part with money after you've done a video <laughs> gate analysis and you, you, you've got to question your ethics because you've done a video gate analysis. It's helped you um, get some money out of someone for doing it, but has it altered your treatment? And I, I used to get quite concerned about that because I, I would assess someone, do my work up, whatever. I pretty much decided what sort of intervention they needed. You know, then I'd do the gate analysis, so it wasn't actually changing my decision-making process or what I was going to recommend or advise. advise. Um, so that became somewhat problematic for me, and I, and I struggled with that for quite a while. But then I started looking, well, what what... And what that am I doing on the treadmill? You know, going in and specifically looking for those things that might have the potential to change the treatment. And I, I, I've tried to apply that philosophy and principle to everything. You know, muscle testing, whatever. You know, if I'm going to do that, has it got the potential to change my treatment? So that would be my opinion on the, the treadmills in the clinic, the abridged version. I think what you, you no, know, I think what you say is uh, an interesting point about getting people to part with their money because um, if we if we we don't often look at it from the, the patient or the athlete's point of view. Um, but there is a sense of theatre to, to putting someone on a treadmill and pointing a camera at them. Yeah. And um, it's theatre that they get almost everywhere now, in the running stores. You know, a couple of places in London have got, like Nike Town mm. off Oxford Street has an MAR system, £11,000 worth. And, and rightly or wrongly, uh, wrongly, of course, people would... would potentially believe they're getting a better service from there because they're being subjected to this kit. Um, we all know that the, the, the magic is in the interpretation, but obviously the, the lay population don't know that. So there's a definite sense of theatre, which I don't think you can, you can downplay. The point I made, um, and it was off the back of uh, someone sort of disparaging treadmill and sort of saying there's a, there's a huge difference between treadmill and overground. You move differently, therefore you're not capturing... What, what you know someone at then then most natural therefore you shouldn't use a treadmill and the the, the point i i find fascinating is that, that we would assume that looking at them on a corridor up and down a corridor would be them at their most you know nat- natural when um there may be you know i've, I've seen someone walking up and down a cor- up and down a corridor in a gp practice before and and essentially it was it was the waiting room there were chairs down the side and the, the next two three patients were watching them and i I, I refuse to believe that that would be uh, any more natural than someone on a treadmill. So I think um, no, it's, it's a shame. I think it's a it, uh, it's a shame. I can't bring up my PowerPoint because <coughs> the um, if you look at say all the kinematic parameters across a whole lot of different studies that look at overgrounded treadmill, a lot of the parameters are the same, and then mm. some are different, and and some are the same after several minutes of uh, being acclimatized. So to blanketly say it's just so different of no use is is, is wrong um i think the, i recall a paper saying was it was it was it 12 minutes once no, you're on, eight, eight, seven or eight minutes yeah but i've, I've get in my powerpoint i have that study that showed that the, the kinematic parameters were pretty damn close 
and again, so I, I, again, you, you see so research that's published on runners using using treadmills versus overground. You know, it's a group of people will automatically dismiss that study because it was on treadmills, but that's usually mm. because they just don't like the results of the study. You know, if the study accepted the study confirmed their worldview, they'd think it was a great study, and the treadmill doesn't matter. But to me, <laughs> with research, it just comes about what's the research question. What are the what's the parameter under investigation? What are the differences in that parameter between overground and treadmill? And in a lot of cases, the that kinematic parameter overground treadmill may be pretty similar, or, or it may not be. So you, 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 anyone who blanketly dismisses one over the other is, is just being silly. Um, it's what's the research question? What's the parameter under investigation? And going back to what we said before, what's the clinical usefulness of us to actually alter the the, the intervention? Mm-hmm. And, and I definitely see and people I think that alter the intervention. So yeah, and I think yeah. we need to be mindful that if they've come to see us, they're probably have got some level of pain or sensitivity. Uh, so maybe all we are learning is the way they move while they're currently sensitive. And I, 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 um, I keep meaning to write something on the whole raft of psychological effects that that apply in such a contrived environment. Oh, yeah. You know, the Hawthorne, the Hawthorne effect, and the. Yeah. Um, the observer observer expectancy effect, the subject expectancy yep. effect. Um, so there's, I think there's a lot going on. And I let, that probably brings us into talking about what Bish uh, has had a little poke, uh, a, dare, a dare, shall we say. And he has dared, he has dared us to discuss 3D gate. Do you know the back? Yes, I know. So I mean, I, to, to, just in case anyone's not conscious of the background for that, uh, I'll give it to them quickly. I uh, wrote uh, I, I wrote a blog essentially uh, back at the end of September about uh, 2D versus 3D, and it was essentially a retort, not a retort, a response to to a blog written by a 3D company, which I uh, took exception to a couple of points. So I'd like to think I wrote this blog in a rather professional response kind of manner. I certainly intended it to be that way. I didn't intend it to feel like I was, you know, firing shots or anything. And um, Foolishly, I, I posted it two, three days before I went to Ireland uh, to a conference, and this particular company were one of the one of the sponsors of the conference, and a very good friend of mine, who you know well, uh, Mr. Trevor Pryor. Uh, obviously, we had a we had a we had a beer and had a chat about it as well, and it was all it was all good. And Bish, who again uh, dropped me a message about it and, and gave me his thoughts on it as well, uh, and he's actually agreed. He may not remember to do this, but he agreed to write a po- write a, uh, a response to my blog, and I would then publish it on my blog. And I, and I don't know whether he's still working on that, so maybe you could let us know how that's going, Bish. But uh, yeah, shall we shall we discuss two D versus three D? Let's uh, get well, let's get your I, take on it. My answer is exactly the same as what I said before. Does it have the potential to alter the intervention? You know, like yeah, you know, it, it's like. I mean, I, 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 I've sent people off for it, not, not many, because I don't have great access to, to it here, but it's not that... Um, it, it, I mean, I tell you what, why, why don't we do this next week and get Chris on as a third panellist? But I, 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 I have nothing against it. I, I, I just keep saying, what what is the potential of it to alter the treatment? And in some cases, yes, it does, but it's gonna, I think it's going to be more applicable in gate retraining situations than orthotic decision-making. Um, yeah, yeah, there's nothing, nothing wrong with it. Again, it's just, oh, you, you know, I'm not going to keep repeating, you know, can it alter the treatment? It's, it's the, I just keep coming back to that bottom line. Yeah, I, 
I don't think I've got anything to add um, that I didn't write in the blog already. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's try and I don't know about next week because I'm yeah. I'm in Liverpool for the uh, okay, well, Commons, but let's let's, let's let's do one with if if Fish is up for it. Yeah, but rather than two heads on the screen, we can have three or four. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, maybe we should. Uh, yeah, maybe we should do that. That's not perhaps, yeah. perhaps that's not a bad idea. Um, right. I don't think we've got anything left to talk about that with regards to the things I was messaged. Uh, no, we haven't. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, I don't know. How no, I think we've, we've gone gone for long enough. We've here, here's Monica. Wave, Monica. Uh, Monica's getting ready for school. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's just woken up. <laughs> no, no we, we're you're, I think you're. I think you're about to go. You know, like the the. Did you see the BBC correspondent whose kids photo? Oh, I did. Yeah, that went that went all over the place. Yeah, everyone saw that. You, you, I think Monica's just ensured that we might go viral here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just get the other one. Here's, here's, here's Stiffy. You wave, wave. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's let's wind up there. I think we, we've talked for long enough. <laughs>